is Avery Pearson. And we are here recording our third podcast or fourth? Fourth. fourth po- yeah, because yeah, we got, yeah. Um, but we wanted to do kind of an emergency one about coronavirus um, because I just last night listened to our first podcast that we uh, recorded in Modern when we were open and it was so noisy and loud with clanking and action and <laughs> blenders whir- whirling and now we are sitting in Modern General that is closed. It is dead quiet. There are no customers. There are no... No staff. Um, no cars on the road. And for anyone who doesn't believe in God or spirit or anything in another in unseen realm, come into a forced closed restaurant. It's It will make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. I mean, obviously, it's still beautiful in here. I still love it. But it has, like, such a different feeling. It's strange. Without all the people, the, the presence that this space usually holds is drastically altered. And over the last couple of days, wandering around and doing things. It's so weird. Yeah, it's strange. And like I was saying, just even like the the smell has changed because there's not all the people and the food cooking and yeah, all the good smell things. Smell the pie, like because like, it's like you just normally have good, yeah, good sizzle. There's sizzle and whirl. I was actually annoyed listening to because I was I wanted to tell whoever was the staff who was here a year ago. We recorded. I was like soft hands because they were clanging the silverware down. Like I, I I have that's my one cheesy corporate thing I constantly say soft hands because what? we throw our silverware in this really clangy way but it then it just got me thinking oh my god it, this is so I don't I know people realize how devastating this is but the restaurant industry is going to be forever changed by it and, Absolutely. and I, I wanted us to talk about this because I don't think I feel like there's an opportunity for honesty right now mm-hmm. what it has made what it feels like to me is like Corona was like a, an earthquake, but the shifts, I mean, the, the plates have been shifting for a long, long time. We have sort of one foot in the old economy and one foot in the new economy. We just keep trying to, to pivot and, and roll with all this cra- the crazy changes that our society has been kind of throwing at all of us in the last 10, 12 years. Oh, yeah. And we've been constantly running because it's a perpetual motion machine. Like restaurants, we're always just going and going. There's so momentum. And so you don't see those little shifts that happen on a day-to-day level. We feel them, we acknowledge them, but the reality of it is all of this has been building underneath the surface and it takes some sort of semi-cataclysmic event like this to really put that at the forefront. Like, yeah. This is what happened and this is what's happened over the last 10 years. It's not like over the last seven, 14 days, this all just appeared. It happened, yeah, it's like there was this, I think we've all felt this this ennui and this burgeoning sense of something's wrong. And And then coronavirus just came and ripped the roof off of of all of our houses in this way. I, I just, what scares me about it, I ha, I'm hopeful on one hand that finally I feel like we're going to have a, an opportunity to access gratitude that we haven't been able to, and an a, a opportunity to be honest with one another and to appreciate one another. Yeah. What scares me is that the very things that have anticipated this are what people are doing right now. They're going home and they're you know, buying from Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon just hired 100,000 new workers. Yep. You know, whereas we just laid off all of our workers, basically. Oh, yeah. And, and the, forced um, you know, a furlough. 
Yeah. Just like, cool, well, we'll see you guys when and we're able to, and this is uncharted territory for all of us. Well, I think um, I, I just want people to come. I hope we're not scared of one another after this is all over. You know, I hope that we... I don't know. I don't know where it's going to leave us. The, um, the thing that I've been wanting people to understand is just the... Or, or how hard it's been in small business for a long time. We mm -hmm. tend to get looped into um, sort of exploiters of laborers. I mean, and oh my God, my staff is so incredible. They understand this so much more than, than all the talking heads on the news shows who ask people, are you going to keep your staff employed? I mean, of course we can't. We can't even make the payrolls that we already owe. You know, that's how much restaurants depend on a constant steady cash flow. So right. there's this economic piece in small business, though, that we've been getting pinched and pinched and pinched and pinched. And then this just like. Yeah, no, we've been slowly mined by a bunch of different outside forces in which we're constantly having to make concessions on the supply chain end. We're having to make concessions on the customer facing side and always trying to keep this glorious, joyous vision going. But. Uh, from both sides, it's always trying to make sure that everything stays as normal as it always has been for the experience. And the reality is, is that as more global economic uncertainty presents itself in the marketplace and everything, our costs have just risen so insanely over the last you know, seven to 10 years. And then on the same time, we're trying to protect our customers from that. We're like, you know, okay, well, we're going to take a little cut in the already impossibly slim margins that we already have yeah. to make sure that they don't feel it. They don't freak out that a smoothie's $9. Right. Because, and that's how much organic kale costs. Yeah, because the public perception is that there's no way that this should cost this much. It's mm -hmm. like, you're not on the back end of this. Like, if you go to the grocery store and try to replicate this, it's going to cost you so much more. Yeah. And we eat it here and there and try to make it okay because, at least for me, like, the, the ultimate goal is, like, a beautiful experience it's super seamless and it's all about the joy and the love that we're putting into these things and not um, about the cost and trying to explain that we're in a very interesting and um, unstable world I, I think I, I realized that restaurants were not allowed to say that that we are hurting because you're scared that if people people find out that they're gonna then somehow stay away or something there's all the, there's this right. constant posturing but I think that's just a metaphor for what we've all been doing, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like, we put in a pretty face on it and post it on Instagram with a filter. Like, yeah. like we've been putting a pretty face on it, and, there, and there's this brokenness in our, in, in, our, in our communities and in our cities and in our, in our economies that I think this is bringing to light. I mean, obviously... I don't know. This is I, I, this is a cataclysmic event that will never repeat. Like it's a once in a lifetime event, right? You know, I don't yeah. want to de demean it. Like, oh, this was bound to happen, but there has been an inevitability to it. Like the, this feeling of just like a riptide that was, or dominoes right. that that we've just been like, well, let's just let us let it take us under and see where we come back out. Right. Find <laughs> out what happens at the end of yeah. this crazy maelstrom. It's. Uh, it's not, it's definitely unprecedented and i think that i think that all of the various actions that we have been taking 
uh, for public safety and all that. Like those are really good and they're really important. And it, the hurt that it's going to put on us in the short term is extremely difficult. But we're all going to come out of this so much stronger. And like you said, I think with a sense of gratitude, mm-hmm. because I've been thinking like I put up this uh, this quote on our board that nobody's going to read because I put up quotes every day for the staff and, you know, try to keep our morale up and, you know, it's the end of the winter. Everyone gets a little crusty. Yeah. Um, but I really feel like this is super necessary. It's a quote by Brooke Foss Westcott and it is uh, great occasions do not make heroes or cowards. They simply unveil them to our eyes silently and imperceptibly as we wake or sleep, we grow stronger, weak, and at last some crisis shows us what we have become. And I just love the fact that right now we are having that both in the broader sense socially and personally a time of reckoning where we're able to really think about where we are, where we want to go, and what we've become. Mm -hmm. I've spent a lot of time talking to the people in my life about, um, honestly, boundaries. You know, because everyone's like freaking out. It's like this is the last time, like the last or least possible moment for us to be thinking about freaking out right now. It's about keeping our heads and really taking stock in where we are personally, what we need from this life, what we don't need from this life, and slowly making changes. Mm-hmm. And the boundaries come in with the, the kiddos because everyone's been stuck in their houses with kiddos for oh you know, a God. week and they're all freaking out. <laughs> and it's like, you know, these these little young ones weren't, they didn't ask to be in this life and they didn't, uh, we owe them everything and they don't owe us anything. But by the same token, if I'm on the phone, I'm super not going to be interrupted and there's going to be a timeout at the end of it if I am interrupted. So I think that for a lot of people, it's like we've been, we've all been running for so long and it's a good time to take stock and like, no, this is not the way that life needs to happen. It doesn't need to be this cascade of action and movement. It could just be more of more chill. Like we need more chill in our lives. Yeah. I think taking, you know, just... I, I was, Jeff and I went for a run yesterday and it was just staggeringly beautiful. I, oh, I yes. planted the tomatoes yesterday. The tomatoes have to grow. The, the, the mint is so stubborn and hardy, kind of like we are, and it's pushing up through the cold soil. Like these things are happening around us. Mm-hmm. The world is still turning. And there's so much beauty that we have a, maybe an opportunity more than ever to stop and appreciate. I, I, last night I was thinking about this and I, um, I pulled out my copy of Man's Search for Meaning. Have you read Vic- Victor Frankl? I'm going to leave this with you then. Um, oh, cool. But obviously, everyone's always scared to read it because it's, it's so hard to read about concentration camps in World War II. Right. And he survived one. But it's the most beautifully... It's, it's, so you think it's going to be so painful to read because we have a hard time with facing that kind of... Just how awful right. the depth that of- was. Evil the that depravity, can be in yeah. The human soul. But it's not about that. Like weirdly, it's so beautiful and it's so perfect right now because one of the one of the things in man's search for meaning, and he was a psychologist whose whole uh, idea was logotherapy, which was about you know finding purpose. But but he believed that one way to find purpose in life was when everything was taken from you when when life yeah. when all of a sudden life said uh-uh <laughs> like right. and there's a, there's an absolute uh requirement then to dig down deeper into a deeper sense of meaning so i thought i'd read a little paragraph there yeah. 
Um, and then there's a really sweet part about a woman who's dying that it sounds very, it's, it's pretty it's gorgeous. It's a little morbid, but. It sounds um, awesome to me. An active life serves the purpose of giving man the opportunity to realize values in creative work, while a passive life of enjoyment affords him the opportunity to obtain fulfillment in experiencing beauty, art, or nature. But there is also purpose in that life which is almost barren of both creation and enjoyment, and which admits of but one possibility of high moral behavior, namely in man's attitude to his existence, an existence restricted by external forces. A creative life and a life of enjoyment are banned to him, but not only creativeness and enjoyment are, and are meaningful. If there is a meaning in life at all, then there must be a meaning in suffering. Suffering is an ineradicable part of life, even as fate and death. Without suffering and death, human life cannot be complete. Totally agree with that. Well, and what we've been doing in our life, what if you look at sort of the progress of a lot of technology and a lot of life right now, it's... Let's just eliminate all suffering. And right. let's even eliminate death. You know, right. it's like... Yeah. And so then shit just so hit the fan. <laughs> and then I, I think everyone's stunned. I think everyone yeah. cannot believe that us, that we overprivileged fucking millennial ass swipe press the button. Like we've just had no hardship, external hardship in our lives, really. I mean, we've had 9-11, we've had... The recession, but when you look at those compared to any sort of, you know, issues that our grandparents lived through or or war, I mean, this has been as devastating to people as like a war. It's like someone came and bombed the bombed the street we live on. Right. Um, yeah. With the the nice benefit of hopefully not lasting as long in terms of the impact, but it's given everyone that pause, mm -hmm. and I think that that's really great. It's. Mm -hmm. I was joking with Nicola. It's like you know, if it, if this continues on you know, let's say it continues on for the full year just for the sake of the conversation. Are people going to figure out how to grow themselves little gardens to help maintain their food security? How are we going to live? We don't know how to live anymore. It's That's true. All those skills that, you know, our great-grandparents and even to some extent, at least in my family, my grandparents had, um, everyone has forgotten those. And we're very adept at... Um, learning the newest technology, but inside of these little box computers in our pockets, outside of that, there's a lot of people without really great, um, useful skill sets in a time like these. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's pretty wild. Well, that's why I, I, I um, I'm going to do another one tomorrow, but we filmed how to seed tomatoes yesterday and I'm going to take video footage of the little tomatoes growing and how to transplant them. Cause I, I mean, I've got a lot of fucking time on my hand for one thing, <laughs> like, <laughs> like all my restaurants are closed. Yeah. I don't know when they're going to, I mean, I, <clears throat> on a darker note, this is going to completely, the, the restaurant industry will never be the same. And many restaurants are going to close and people need to understand how much we rely on you. We need people. We mm -hmm. are rest like the the to go consolation prize is a bunch of bullshit. That's basically just forcing us to operate like a ghost kitchen, which the market has been slowly nudging us towards anyways. Right. Like that because no one wants people anymore and now people are gonna be terrified of people for a long time. I don't know how long. Like we have to decide what we want our lives and our communities to look like. Is this what we want? 
to never see one another, to never breathe one another's air, because that was already starting. Right. Social distancing has been happening for a long time. Like, we've been isolating ourselves from one another for a long time. That's why, like, people took to that so quickly, I think. Yeah. Because it's already yeah. what you've been doing, right? Right. Yeah, it's just like, okay, this is finally my time to go hole up. But I also feel like in the holding up, everyone's like, wait, maybe this isn't... Maybe what have I... Yeah. What I want. Yeah, I think when people are forced to do something, and it's not a free choice, it doesn't feel free, and it's sort of an exaggeration of what they've been doing, like a funhouse mirror... Mm-hmm. They have they have to look like oh cuz like our for real people like communities and small business have been rotting from the inside because they're you're sending all your money to Amazon no offense but the, the restaurants and all small business all consumer facing business the whole invisible hand of capitalism it turns on margins it turns on a few percent so people mm-hmm. have an unbelievable ab- ability to ignore or not realize how important those few purchases that they now make in a different place have when you multiply them by the entire world. And so the fact that you now buy that, whatever, toilet paper, toilet bowl cleaner, whatever it is on Amazon instead of your local store or instead of, you know, whatever, those, those substitutions have are basically putting that percentage of businesses out. So if you've made a percentage that's just like 3%, of your purchases are now going to an incredibly wealthy, dangerously powerful company. Well, most of those, like 3% of businesses that you don't shop at anymore are going to go out of business. That's just how the invisible hand of capitalism works. And Right. Well, like what's crazy to me is, and we talked about this maybe a couple weeks ago, when all of uh, us over at Vinny, the crew, were lamenting the death of the big box bookstores. And when I was in junior high and high school, I was upset about those big box bookstores killing the local baby stores that really had just an incredible library and really curated. It was awesome. The people that worked there were super knowledgeable. Then they got knocked out by the big box stores. And now I'm feeling a sadness and mourning for those big box stores because even in there, those physical brick and mortar retail experiences I could go in there, find incredible books. I bought Mm -hmm. amazing things that have changed my life through those, and they don't even exist anymore. Mm -hmm. So when I want to buy a book, I've got to you have to buy it from Amazon on on Amazon or online. Like, and suddenly there's nobody there to talk to. There's no awesome experiences. Mm -hmm. And weirdly enough, I'm having those experiences at like the post office. Like when I sign with my. my fountain pen and it turns out that some other guy is really into fountain pens but it's now like these really strange almost backwaters of uh, sort of interactions with people because we don't get those interactions anymore that's what I so want people to understand because the the kind of capitalist world that we live in and we don't even live in fair capitalism right now what but it the world molds itself to our behaviors so it doesn't mold itself to what we think sounds nice. You know, it, and, right. and that is what coronavirus and this has shown. It's that it's because the world is going to mold itself to what we are doing, whether it's kind of ugly and we're bar- embarrassed about it. So ghost kitchens, for instance, if 25, you know, we've, we talked about this before, if we all of a sudden are doing 20% of our business in to-go and the world is, you know, 
500% increasing their, their, the amount of food that they're eating out of boxes in their houses instead of in restaurants, well then of course the most viable kind of restaurant is a purely digital one. So that's one example. But if we send all of, like, so we're at, we want restaurants and, and small stores on our city streets because we beautify things, we build community. But if we can't pay our bills, we can't stay here and we're going to go away. Right. And then our cities and communities are going to look really sad. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's so people's behavior really, really matters. I want to tell people to stop buying from Amazon because they are taking over the world and then your community is rotting. And how sad was the, the last day that we were open? And like, there's a lot of beauty and camaraderie in it. You know, we we're all there just chugging along and like, yes, we're going to try as hard as we can to be here for each other, for the community. But, you know, it was you, me, Carlos, and um, Scooby was there for a little while, and Allie. And it was just, it wasn't the normal, lovely... We had five, I mean, the people are stunned. I mean, it was like the normal crotchets and complaints of our some of our grumpier customers. Yeah. It's too loud. You could hear a fucking pin drop in the dining room. There's no parking endless parking it was so weird right and all of those things the things that everyone wants were so horrible to me in that moment uh-huh. they were so awful because <laughs> it was it was quiet because there was no one in the restaurant yeah it was there was parking because no one was coming by i mean the thing you know the restricting restaurants to 50 percent capacity was so ridiculous because no one was in restaurants right like it was and a- all we're doing is cleaning everything i felt safer in Vinny than anywhere yeah, and one like I tried to tell people for so long is like restaurants are the safest place. They're the place where we're all trained and certified in uh, cleanliness and um, pathogen management, and we're constantly making sure that everything is sanitized to such a higher standard than anywhere else in this world. Like we're like we're not we're not on a hospital level, but we all know we're how to get to closed. a hospital level. Yeah, and we're, yeah. And that's the thing is that we're we're at that place where. Anywhere else, you know, go to the grocery store and everyone's wearing these grubby face masks and, um, and absolutely disgusting nitrile gloves. Like the last time I was at the store, I was just looking at people going, y'all are going to get yourself sick and it's not going to be the virus you're scared of. It's going to be something just because you're creating a wet environment with that gross face mask <laughs> on your mouth. This is awful. You guys don't understand this. Like my people understand how to make things sanitized, to make things clean, to keep things safe and the restaurants I'm super not worried about. The grocery store, <laughs> anywhere else in this town, I'm getting kind of scared because y'all are disgusting. Oh my God. Uh, I think the thing that has broken my heart in the best way, but it has, is just my staff. You, Sam. I mean, Sam and freaking Lara and Kitchen Sam and Steve, like they are like, I don't know if you were, that way back, I think I was in high school at the time, maybe college, there was a, um, a Mariners team that got their motto they just kept on going through I think they made it all the way to the World Series I can't remember but it was refuse to lose was their uh, motto and my dad went to a game with my sister and a bunch of her friends in this beat up suburban that he used to have that was Ooh. just like <laughs> 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 like the doors were almost impossible to open this is like back before everything was like anything was automated right right and they Someone broke into the Suburban while they're at this game for, of the refuse to lose game. They had a refuse to lose sign that was dangling off the back. 
So they come rolling home after this game <laughs> and it's like janked out, duct taped together suburban with the refuse to lose sign sort of dangling. Oh, that's awesome. And it's just like a funny, funny <laughs> image in my mind. And that's how I feel about us right now. Absolutely. Because restaurants fucking refuse to lose. Like we have so much grit and so much soul. And I want people to know that we do not really do it for money. But if we don't have any money coming in, we can't really survive. Yeah. But we do it for love. And it's like you can see through when all of the bullshit clears, you see how much love restaurant people have. And it is heartbreaking. It's amazing. Like I've been in contact with um, the majority of our staff, not because we are trying to tell each other like important information, I've been sending uh, super chill playlists to people because I'm like, you know, I know that the fear is palpable and it hurts, mm -hmm. but you need to not allow that into your heart because it's just going to make it worse. And so these are playlists that make me feel calm and happy. So listen to this and we're sending each other memes mm -hmm. and it's just everything that um, I love about this community is because even though we're all, we do so many different things and we come from so many different walks of life there's still the community is staying together and um i've been wandering around here last few days just by myself and been really kind of depressed about it but that's been keeping me going is like checking Our in people. with you and like yeah. you know talking to you on the phone and talking to all the different homies you know what are you doing well i'm going on a run because what else am i gonna do oh my god like, word hell yeah well you know at the farm i have the house phone it's like ringing off the hook like i use a oh, landline out there because i don't get any service in the house so i'm just like talking to sam i'm talking to yvette in albuquerque i'm talking to josh like i'm talking to you and like and and there's been no complaint not one complaint i have you know because we're kind of we're kind of cranky. Restaurant people complain about the dumbest shit. Like, mm -hmm. that's one of the funny things about us. Like, the front always <laughs> yeah. complains about back, you know, uh, or back front or day, night. Like, there's all these right. little things. And, like, that's just gone. And what's there is just the purity of it. And the pure... I just don't think... We are so important to communities. I mean, it's, it's indescribable how mm -hmm. young people develop confidence you know, people who have no friends get a family. Weird people, people who don't normally have a place that they fit in, find such a sense of community here. And 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 we pay most of America, I feel like. I think it's come out that restaurants are the like second largest employer. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's like middle class, like lower middle class and it's We're also so accepting because throughout my career in restaurants I've never been in a place that has been more um, inclusive. Like, you know, okay, your resume's got some holes in it. There's a period of a bad time. There are people who've, you know, told me stories about why they had to be in the legal system for a little while, you know? It's like, but in our industry, it's always open arms. It's like, okay, that's great. Yesterday was yesterday. What can you do today? Are you excited about this today? You know, like our homie Ayo. Um, I met him selling papers on the side of the road and he was telling me that he wasn't making scratch and asked if I had any work. And I was like, yeah, you know, come on through. Let's see what's going on. And now he's like the motto of the whole, he's like he's, the mascot. He's our he mascot. Is, you know? And he's, he's been there, he's been with us as, almost as long as I have. And the funny, funny things he says and then the way you guys do renditions of the things he yeah. says. What is the one thing, oh my God, it's got to come to me. It's like, 
Oh, thank you. Not great. Just one more or something. I can't, I can't do it. Well, there's, I mean, there's, there's so many yayos. There's so many. There's, there's like, 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 he's, he's. I am working. <laughs> yeah. You are not. <laughs> Shut up, please. There's just so many wonderful things that he says. And you guys got to understand, this is, a, this is like a 70-year-old. Uruguayan, man. Yeah. Like, and he, you know, bald as a potato. Like, he's just. And he's embraced and loved in the most beautiful way. And we're going to take care of him through this. I don't know how, because everyone also needs to understand that restaurants operate on a quick ratio of one. That means that a little bit better in the high season, a little bit under in the low season. At any given point in time, we owe as much money as we have in the bank. Vinny, in the slow season, which is was just now, we owe more than we have in the bank. So we, right now, like... When people say, are you going to keep paying everyone? I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. You, right. you know nothing about business. You, you know no nothing idea. about small business. You have no idea that I have not paid myself in five months. Like, that's reality. And yeah. so I have felt like AOC, the fact that she thinks a $15 an hour minimum wage, I feel like I feel completely slighted by people like her because they don't understand that most small business owners are getting fucked as much as like laborers are like right. the, the idea of laborers being exploited that that concept is going extinct laborers are not getting exploited like they were a hundred years ago that was exploitation what's happening now is laborers are disappearing in almost every business except for restaurants and because we won't regulate these huge companies that are that are just essentially making like they're operating in a vacuum of regulation facebook google amazon they, they have so much power and knowledge and information, and they're operating in a vacuum, and we are operating in a highly regulated environment. We're essentially subsidizing the substitution of people with machines in this, in this economy right now. Right. Yeah, and as people disappear, and I've noticed it over the last five years especially, just the, the labor market has shrunk so drastically, and just trying to get people in to do the work has been... A nightmare and trying to get a good solid team together has been so hard and I, I really feel like a lot of that is just the fact that we're pushed so hard so it's like you know if we were to offer that $15 an hour you know $20 an hour it would be absolutely incredible to be able to do that but the market will not allow that because in in order for that to happen the price point that we would have to $20 have a salad and people aren't going to take that so it's There's like, an incredible double standard, and we're sitting here getting, you know... Right. It's like because getting quartered. It's, it's, yeah, because it's not like we don't want to pay that. It's not like we don't want to give people... And it's not like we don't pay that, but those are people who've been here a long time. So if we started our dishwashers out at $15 an hour, people like Pablo, who've worked for me for 11 years and gotten a dollar raise every year, or a 50-cent raise every year, he would be at $25 an hour. That's what college-educated bookkeepers charge. Now, I'm not saying... So, so, so how does that work? It's just like the, the problem in our economy is this is so much more complex and deep than, than rising, raising the minimum wage can solve. Right. But and, I th- that's, the, that's the trouble, though, is that it's raising the minimum wage is a really nice, easy talking point. Oh, and I it's just want to punch good... people. I want to punch people. That was a hundred year old solution. Right. No, it, but it's, that's the trouble is that... It's a li- with- and I'm a liberal, but I feel completely spat in the face by these crusading liberals who won't regulate 
Facebook. And AOC's all over Facebook. I'm like, well, hypocrite. We, we, don't want, we don't want to look at the, like, the larger ecosystem that we live in. And it's, we want easy, simple solutions. Yeah. That's why gym that memberships are so hot. Yeah. Because <laughs> I pay money and then I will not be fat. Until last week. <laughs> but you don't, no one ever thinks about the work. You walk in there one time like, mm-hmm. man, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm out. But we just want something that we can throw a little bit of money at. And then the problem goes away. Yeah. But the problem doesn't go away just by throwing money at it. It's everything. And mm-hmm. we live in in everything, both like in the physical world, mentally, it's a giant ocean. And you can't throw whatever your power is at that ocean and expect to, for it to just suddenly shift. It's a little bit of power multiplied over time that allows for the shift to happen. And the shift is gentle and doesn't always go the way that we want it to go. But everything in this world is like water. And it always flows and moves just like that. So asking for an extra X amount of dollars in the minimum or this, that, and the other thing, it's like that's just one little drop against much larger forces Mm -hmm. that we're all dealing with, but we don't want to acknowledge. Because acknowledging that is hard and scary, and nobody wants to do that. No one knows that... no one knows exactly what the solution is. We have to admit, yeah, there's a, there's a, this is unprecedented. I think that when we face something truly unprecedented, which is coronavirus has been, and then the economic struggles and the, and the, the pickle that society is in right now is unprecedented. Mm -hmm. And we keep, what people do is they keep just dipping down into their old solution, their old bag of tricks. And the old bag of tricks is just irrelevant now. And accepting that is, is, is deeply counter to our nature that wants to, wants to solve problems, you know? Right. Um, even if we're just going to, you know, square peg, round hole or whatever. It's, it's, but it's not even that simple. <laughs> no. It's like, it's, like an, it's not even a round hole it's another dimension like that weird freaking thing that the the all the genius string theorists can imagine and none of us can <laughs> right exactly it's another dimension like we're dealing a lot, of, a lot of people have a hard time dealing in you know a 3d plane and 4d 5d is like right just totally fucks your brain yeah absolutely and that's unfortunately the the problems that we are currently facing are in those extra dimensional realms that we are completely ignoring and trying to deal with it on a flat plane. If we raise X, then Y will hopefully adjust. And then we don't ever think about Z. And outside of that, nobody doesn't nobody wants to talk about it. So it's like nope. I thought easy. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you thought about I guess I'm thinking about the world the environmental aspect of this and I look at what we're doing to the world. This is going to be such a depressing one. We're going to, we're going to pivot in a little while to hopefulness. But, <laughs> but what I see is we, we, the world was made for life, for life in its varied, beautiful, diverse expression from bugs to megafauna. And humans have treated the world and the earth like it's ours. Like its purpose is for us right. to conquer and to own and to mind. Like, and that's that's not a radical statement. That's just how we all act. Like this is the point of the world. Is it's it's just our basic assumption. It's the basic assumption of, you know, wealth of nations. It's the basic assumption of how we all are living. Mm-hmm. And so we've been slowly simplifying life 
in many of its compl most complex ecosystems. You know, the megafauna, you know, the, the crazy huge kangaroos, and all, some of the biggest species have been killed off a long time ago, had been killed off a long time ago. Um, so we're simplifying life, but there's like a turgor pressure of life. There's a life wants to be life. Right. And so, of course, we're basically forcing life to create ever better bacteria and ever better virus, right? Mm -hmm. And keeping in mind that we came from bacteria, like... And we actually have, you know, retroviral DNA in our DNA. Mm -hmm. So there's this thing called horizontal gene transfer. We've been picking up DNA that's allowed actually mammals to have placentas, all this crazy shit, right? Right. We, it's just so complex, the relationship between all sorts of different animals and plants and viruses and bacteria. But I guess my point is we're we're putting pressure on the, the world organism to keep the force of life moving forward in tiny little species that can evolve rapidly, rapidly. Right. Bacteria, virus, bugs, rats, squirrels. Yep. Like, look at what we're doing. Like, we just have to look at the big pressures we're putting on the world and the world's responding in that way. That makes total sense, right? right. It responds in kind. And in a way, I love it because I feel like there's a way that we all live symbiotically, and if we decide to step outside of that, it seems as if nature finds a way to correct. And what we are doing is absolutely devastating, and I think it will, if we continue along the path that we're continuing on, we very well might make uh, viability for most life on this earth to be very difficult or non-existent. But again, life finds a way. And if we continue to live out of sync with our natural environment and the way that we are really in harmony with everything, the we we're making it less We're making it less healthy for us, actually, in a biological yes. sense, in an evolutionary sense. We're actually creating a world that's better for virus, like, like the world began, right? And, and bacteria. And so I think that's a really depressing thing to say. But at the same... <laughs> but we have to, and, and what I worry about is that as we are creating those, instead of acknowledging that and trying, again, looking underneath, how can we solve this, people are going to start isolating and, and, and considering other humans a biohazard, right? Right. Um, I don't want to live my life in that kind of incredible fear. No, and that's what I've been preaching this whole time is... Let go of the fear, learn how to embrace love. Because love is one of the hardest things to actually live. It's so much easier to be fearful and, uh, as a byproduct, hateful. But to actually truly embrace a loving existence is such a uh, difficult thing to do. And it's more important than ever right now. Because if we're not loving each other, our environment that we are in, if we're not really trying to figure out how to make this world a better place for every living thing in it, we're not going to be around. I think everyone should go. It's spring. We need to plant green things. We need to plant gardens. We need to, to go. We need to go 
plant trees. Like we were, it's so funny though how in a week everything could change. Like last week we were pitching things. I was supposed to be on this, you know, big TV thing. Like I, I was like getting my hair done and my nails done. Right. Which now just seems like I look super good for the apocalypse. That's <laughs> awesome. And like we were getting ramped up for April. We're going to do it. And I, I think I'm going to, I don't, I don't know. I don't know for the first time. I don't know. I don't know weird? what to, it's, it's day by day right now. I don't know when we're going to reopen yet. I have some ideas, but I also know that we're going to have to completely remold our business plan in a way, our business model right, in, in this, order to continue in on. order to continue on. Like that's how, that's how big this is. Um, and but we were going to give away trees for every super pickle that people bought. And I, I ordered all these trees from Tuli's Trees in Santa Cruz. And I think I'm going to still do that because, or true chess. Uh, I mean, we need fucking trees right now. It's, mm-hmm. it's like trees, green. It's just what we need. And the one yeah. good thing, too, it, the skies are clearing in L.A. because people aren't driving as much. Like right. in China, like the, the, there are some, you know, good things. Yeah, I, I was reading an article about how greenhouse gas emissions are down, and it's like, this is awesome. This is good. So <laughs> if we can learn how to maybe slow our lives down a little bit, maybe instead of the constant hustle and bustle and constantly ordering tons and tons of boxes to our doors, if we learn to live in our communities again and go to... And walk. To you know? walk, to go to the grocers. Like, I mean, I I used to have butchers in this town. I don't have butchers anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that's crazy. I think that we need to learn how to live in the spaces that we exist in instead of constantly looking into our phones and our screens to bring everything from the world to us and just living this frantic pace of life, like, mellowing it out, learning how to exist in our spaces is going to be so crucial. And I also, and this is a note for me too, I think we need to stop traveling so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're over-globalized right now. And because, you yeah. know, my hero is um, Wendell Berry and he, his, his long, long-held rallying cry before it came, became trend, trendy and like a catchphrase that everyone liked to say but then buy all their shit from Amazon still. Um, Ooh, payroll is here. Let's take, should we take a little break and get everything? This is everyone's checks, y'all. This was a miracle. count us back in, be back in, and I keep talking over him. Um, we're back. I'm signing checks, payroll checks for our amazing staff as we go into our last phase of chat between Avery and I. Um, I thought we could maybe talk about, like, what silver lining, we've talked a little bit about that, but also, like, um, ways to manage what, what, what are some things that people can do 
Maybe I should just open up. I'm going to open up our pocket Pima Chadron Pima um, and, and read something. Into the demon's mouth. That sounds appropriate. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read this, guys. Milarepa, who lived in the 11th century, is one of the heroes of Tibetan Buddhism, one of the brave ones. He was also a rather unusual fellow. He was a loner who lived in caves by himself and meditated wholeheartedly for years. He was extremely stubborn and determined. If he couldn't find anything to eat for a couple of years, he just ate nettles and turned, and turned green, but he would never stop practicing. The story goes that one evening, Milarepa returned to his cave after gathering firewood, only to find it filled with demons. They were cooking his food, reading his books, sleeping in his bed. They had taken over the joint. He knew about the teaching of the non-duality of self and other, but he still didn't quite know how to get, the, get these guys out of his cave. Even though he had the sense they were just a projection of his own mind, all the unwanted parts of himself, he didn't know how to get rid of them. So first he taught them the Dharma. He sat on the seat that was higher than they were and said things to them about how we are all one. He talked about compassion and emptiness and other key Buddhist teachings. Nothing happened. The demons were still there. Then he lost his patience and got angry and ran at them. They just laughed at him. Finally, he gave up and just sat down on the floor saying, I'm not going away, and it looks like you're not either, so let's just live here together. At that point, all of them left except one. Milarepa said, this one is particularly vicious. We all know that one. She's parentheses. We all know that one. Sometimes we have lots of them like that. Sometimes we feel that's all we've got. He didn't know what to do, so he surrendered himself even further. He walked over and put himself right into the mouth of the demon and said, just eat me up if you want to. Then that demon left too. The moral of the story is, when the resistance is gone, so are the demons. Yeah, that's good. It gave me chills. I, I just that. fucking flipped to that. Ah, but isn't that so fun? And it's like, because that's a metaphor for everything, how we're acting. The demons in the cave, we all like one, we all came back and the demons were in our cave eating our food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like buying our, all the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, all the toilet paper's so gone. The, and it's also kind of a metaphor for the corona, the virus itself. Like, this one is particularly vicious, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and the fact that we're going to have to surrender the, and, and the, I'm not going away and it looks like you're not either. So let's just live here together. You know, there was a doctor on one of the news shows that my mom kind of obsessively watched, watches. I don't have to watch them because she calls and reports. Nice. So you and then the other night the she was like, I'm not watching anymore because some guy was like a total, like worst downer ever. But anyways, no. the idea that we're going to have to live with this. And we have to surrender at some point. Right. Like this, what we're doing right now is not sustainable. So let's go back into our caves where the demons are living mm-hmm. and, and deal with some stuff that we clearly all have to deal with and, and that yeah. humans will always have to deal with, right? Right. But we're, part of this is coming from such a profound fear of death that we've literally shut down the entire economy. Maybe that was necess- necessary. Um, Right. I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, okay, maybe it was. Um, but let's go in and then really face that fear and then right. decide that we can live with it. Yeah, and I think that, like, I, I spend a lot of time um, making peace with those sorts of things because that's just, I guess, the kind of weird person I am. I spend a lot of time um, dealing with my own mortality and um, honestly enjoying it because I think being here forever would be a terrible thing. 
but I, I feel like I'm here to learn certain things and I'm also here to give to other people and that's what I try to live my life doing is giving as much of myself and my positivity as I can to other people accepting that I'm only here for a little while and when it's all done then it's all done and I'm okay with that do you know what makes me feel better and also kind of worse but that's kind of great right right I think that we're already dead yeah I would like, agree with that like time it's kind of like we're alive and dead always at the same time uh-huh. and that's why you sometimes have those weird experiences of deja vu and experiencing people who are dead now or having a weird time travel moment because I just time is already so strange mm-hmm. and it's a dimension that we can't quite understand and even just the most advanced scientists right now know crazy shit about time like there are particles of time like like time particles like th- th- that space and time are quantum but I just think that time is so ethereal already mm-hmm. that we're kind of already dead yeah. Like, it's already kind of happened. Like, it's happened on this loop that we're in, and the only thing that we can control is the level of consciousness that we're on. Right. Um, and and that... I like the kind of simplified version of it. I think it's in uh, Vonnegut's uh, Slaughterhouse-Five, where I forget who he's uh, talking about, but he's talking about how certain people, essentially, like, uh, they can see time as a um, basically as an infinite sort of a thing and so when a being is in their various states either before they're quote alive or after they're dead and um, they're like ghosts or something and the ghosts don't, don't really like to check in with the decomposing organic matter but they'll check in with the various things that happen during the, the life of that thing yeah. I think it's kind of fun. Yeah. I like that. It's like, yeah, you know, we're all just in various states and then all of our carbon goes to something else and yeah. the carbon's constantly being passed back and forth forever. Yeah, because I misstated it. It's like time actually isn't real in the way we think of it. So there are not particles. There's space-time. Mm-hmm. There's part of, there's, is quantum. And this idea of seconds being a real thing, mm-hmm. that's a convention based on the human heart. Because it, 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 it made a lot of sense in math and physics to have a convention to mark this weird thing that we consider to be the passage of time. Right. But that's, that's not like a measurable... Like, it's not like someone went out and weighed time or they, they're, they're counting. It's, 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 it's only a convention. Right. Like, it's a counting of the human heart. That's what the second is based off of. I think it's Newton's, you know, counted his heartbeats. Cool. So... I just think that's... I've always been mind-fucked by time a little bit. Uh-huh. And, and somehow, I don't... I feel kind of like you can feel certain events completely change time. And this has changed time. Absolutely. And that's yeah. a miracle. Yeah. That's it's... a kind of a miracle. As, as fucked as everything is, as much as I have no idea how I'm going to pay all my bills and how I'm going to keep my staff in the pink, how we're going to do this. I feel like it's a miracle that it's changed how we think about time right now. And it has. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a very strange thing, but it's also a beautiful thing. Like I felt, uh, essentially the release of time for myself when I was taking Nolan on the uh, path, he's riding his little strider bike because usually I'm 
so wound up and worried about getting this done, this done, this done, this done. And I don't really ever exist in the present moment unless I force myself to. But because of all of the various wild things that have gone on the last week, I was just completely there with him riding the bike and time didn't exist. We were just enjoying each other's company and teaching him how to ride a bike and mm -hmm. it was cool and I loved it. And I, I ran into a server from um, another restaurant here in town on the same path and he too seemed to feel the same sort of lightness of existing. I was like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey, what's going on? Yeah. And you know, behind her smiles, you know, there's the recognized like, you rocked? Yeah, me too. <laughs> all right, all right. Hell yeah, you know? But I'm, I'm over here riding a bike with this kiddo, and, you know, you're chilling with your homie, and this is good. Life is good. We've talked a lot about meditation um, in these, and I think, or at least in our first one about Pima, and I think we should, I think this is a great time for people to start meditating that haven't been, like yes. those things that, like, you know, everything else in life is more important than you, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now that seems real dumb. Like, right. like, like, not just, not just, just dumb. <laughs> like the fact that we, right. like, okay, there's nothing like all of the conventions and all of the things that we come to depend upon and think we're we're completely stable being exploded in a single day. Oh yeah, it's to make <laughs> to make you realize probably you have time to remember what matters and to meditate because also I uh, a lot of people are just going home and drinking quarantinis like a certain oh, no. member of our staff I called him it was so weird oh, space no. okay so um I called you know who right. and, I, and he was wasted oh, and I was like no <laughs> no Austin yeah so and yeah. then I was like, oh, my God. And so I, I emailed one of our other managers. I was like, can you make sure he gets home safe? He sounds pretty drunk. Because I mean, it was just like, it's it's been devastating. Right. I mean, and just and everyone's like, people. what in the fuck? Yeah. So, right. but then I, I, I thought he was at, a, of, of course, my initial thought was I was worried about him getting home safe. Of course he was at home. Because right. now all the bars in Austin are closed. What the hell are people in Austin doing? Oh That's God. like, it's like a billion dollar in 10 years, like drinking town. Like yeah. there's this, all the bars are closed. Everyone's at home drinking quarantinis. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. So maybe time to meditate. I mean. I think so. That sounds like the worst possible way to deal with this, in my opinion. Like I've been... I, I still haven't let myself fully get into... Well, we're on Lent. I mean, I've wanted to have a drink through oh, yeah. this, but thank God. I've actually, like, weirdly enough, I haven't. Like, I, because I've thought about it, you know, I was like, maybe I should drown my sorrows. This is But then awful. it would... It would it, there's such a better opportunity here. But there's so much... No, and that's the thing. It's like, but I feel so great in my person and in my body. And why would I compound the stress of what's already happening within making myself physically feel ill to some degree? You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not worth it. And I need my head about me. I need all of my faculties to try to figure out a way through this. Mm -hmm. And instead of allowing myself to get bummed, and I've, I've seen the effect of people in my life who are like, well, this is horrible time to get absolutely smashed. It's like, yeah, did that, did that work out too well for you? <laughs> it didn't, did it? You know, you still feel the same anxiety and scared feelings that you did yesterday, but now you feel like crap. And I feel the same anxieties and stresses I did yesterday, don't feel like crap and I'm actually kind of excited about you know like what this could do for me as a person like what what am I going to start really focusing on because now that everything's stripped away what is it that I really value what do I want to be doing I keep telling people 
I don't know why I, I when shit hits the fan, I'm the scrappiest motherfucker. I don't know where that comes from. Like, I don't know why. But I, so I'm not worried about us, like, because somehow this is tapped into this crazy inner strength that I know I have. Yeah. And I know we all have. Yeah. I know we all have it. Like, it, and it's, it's like the most beautiful thing, like, that we can, whatever happens, like Victor Frankl says, if we have agency over how we react and how we feel about it. Absolutely. And that is a strength that can never be taken from us. And yeah. that is really the only strength we ever had anyways. The rest of it, as has been clearly showed, was all just a fucking illusion. Yeah, it's all facade. No, the, our inner strength is the only thing that we have. And and, it's our only real resource. And when all of that cracks and crumbles and you get to see what is really strong, what really endures, it's like a, it's an opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. an opportunity to know yourself in a totally new way or yeah. better way. It normally, it is not that it's not possible all the time, but it's cluttered. Right. You know, Let's I mean, see. I feel like we're this generation, these generations of ennui, you know, like, ugh. right. You know, nothing really horrible has happened, but I don't feel happy. I've got this general, and this just blew. This was the end of ennui, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, shit. I mean, maybe people are at home and bored, but it's not ennui, dude. It's like holy fuck, you know. Oh man, that that little uh, uh, like uh, video conference that I had with the kids' uh, parents from Nolan School, uh, everyone was just look, looking terrified. <laughs> some people were put together, some people were not. Everyone's got video on, which I thought was funny. So you got people looking all kinds of wild. And I was like, wow, you guys are freaking out. This is crazy. But now is the time to like really, really put your house in order. Because clearly if something like this is going to put us in such a panic state, our houses are not in order and we're not, we're not strong as we thought we were. Yeah. Everything that we were counting on suddenly evaporating and getting eviscerated before our very eyes. And now we're, now we're forced to deal with ourselves. And it's getting real for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's... it's. And I think they might be mad at me, honestly, because I was... You on were that, perky? I, well, I was <laughs> perky. I was happy. Like, some guy was talking about how, like, you know, we're on a you know, school conference call about, like, basically a check-in. How all y'all doing? <laughs> this one guy's like, you know, I just don't know the effects on the economy. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, man, like, let's say it goes six months, like you said. Yeah, the economy's going to be wrecked. Like, super wrecked. <laughs> and then everyone's face is kind of like, oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, and then for the rest of the conference, it's like poking Nicole and like just kind of laughing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're all more resilient than we realize. There definitely are um, disaster scenarios about the economy right now and people yeah. and not run on, ba- you know, like, like people taking real. money out of banks in huge sums and people saying this is a tsunami that we've known. And I, and I you know, that could happen. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that couldn't happen. Good thing we don't have any money in the bank. Right. There's no money to rob. There's no money to rob. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll barter. I don't know. Like, uh, maybe, I was thinking restaurants should start bartering right now. We should be helping one another out. Totally. We should be like, "Uh, I got to-go stuff. What you got? You know, you got freezer space? Because we got none, you know? I don't have any freezers. You've got to walk in. But I got to go. You're, you're out of to go. Yeah. Start a barter economy. Yeah, because we're not, we're not helpful to one another. No, and that's another thing that I've always felt sad about. It's like, 
you know, it comes back to that ego and posturing thing, especially in restaurants. Like, the first time you meet, generally speaking, a, like a, a new chef or a new owner, they're always like chest up and like, oh yeah, everything's so great. You know, the whole wine and chili, like, everyone's just doing so fantastic. Yeah. When you know on the back end, it's like, no, you're you're feeling the yeah, same kind of stress Yeah, you're exaggerating your sales. You're exaggerating. Right. Everyone quit, lies. Quit lying to me. Like, what, what about just being like, Cool. This guy, yeah. this guy in Albuquerque, Len, he, he told, like I, I said, like, cause we've also had issues from art construction, which is part of why this has been so painful is like oh, the yeah. construction down there already knocked sales out of all the restaurants along it. So I was being honest about things. And then he comes back at me with this email about how this other restaurants, you know, they're busier than ever. I, I was like, <laughs> it was so, I was like, that's, that's what they're telling you maybe right. because that's what restaurant people do. We kind of always brag and we boast and right now there's not there's can be none of that we have got to help one another out you know and i think maybe that is a good place to leave it like on kindness on Mm -hmm. human to human straight up loving kindness helping one another in every way we can because if we're going to come through this it's not it's going to come we're going to come through with charity with with how can we help? What can we do? You know, how all of us, no, no one is really, we're all in the exact same boat. And it's been such an incredible equalizer. Yeah. And the only way through is through supporting one another, supporting small businesses again, as soon as you can supporting, you know, employees, employees support, supporting employers. Cause it's like, they're, they're screwed. I promise. You know? Yeah. No, we're all, we're all in this, situation together and a lot of gentle love and kindness is going to go a long way gentleness yeah gentle we've been not gentle for a while no we've been we've been hammering at everything in our lives for quite some time (laughs) all right well here's to gentleness here's to love and facing the demons in the cave i guess yeah here's to the demons in the cave and giving them the gentle love and kindness they need. Yeah, even the demons. Yep. We're all in it together. Peace. (laughs) Peace.